This is uh, Brian Goldie, Director of Spiritual Formation at Southwest with our speaker, Ellie Harrison. Ellie, thanks for joining us. Of course. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for speaking today. And as um, I just mentioned to you in person, um, did a great job balancing so many different things with this very complicated issue from spirituality and realism to hope and spirituality and, and sort of the physical and material stuff with practical examples. Um, so we had... Uh, we had a bunch of students submit questions because this issue is so prevalent. And actually, mm -hmm. one of the questions was like, why is it so prevalent? Why, you know, it's just right. huge. And how prevalent is it? I think a lot of students are kind of going, is this common? And I think the reality is it is. And yeah. I, know, I know students um, often in Bible classes and my conversations with them talk about it and in D groups. So, um, yeah, pretty prevalent. So thanks for um, coming alongside of the students with your honesty. Um, a couple questions that they submitted were um, obviously the go-to coping mechanisms, and you already addressed that, but if you want to speak to like others you didn't get to, because we were cut short on time. Yeah, yeah um, well, it's just interesting, like I was mentioning in my talk, the Lord has really put in our bodies like ways to deal with fight or flight, or ways to deal with anxiety. Um, so even an interesting one that I use all the time is, um, laughter and singing hmm. so sing when you sing like or, forced awkward laughter um yep exactly yeah. like <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but like if you can get yourself in a conversation with someone that you just have a good laugh with yeah. like for me my brother we we're always uh, laughing so if i am hmm. feeling anxious and i'm giving him a call and he's one that'll make me laugh or if i put on a song and i'm singing to it those things all will bring take your fight or flight and basically deactivate it because when your fight or flight is on it's like a false alarm that's just like going off in your body and then the adrenaline starts pumping and all of that and that is why our bodies react the way they do to anxiety so there's all these different things with like singing and laughing and breathing mm. that tell your brain oh we don't have to be in fight or flight right now mm. do you think that those um in your experience with talking with others about this is it do those mechanisms vary sort of from person yeah. as far as what works? Yeah, I think um, there's some that are like, this should be your go-to. Like um, when I was talking earlier about breathing, um, I have learned from my experience um, from my counselor and from other people that that is such a good go-to because it sort of quiets your mind into just thinking about numbers. Like all I have to focus on right now is counting. I don't have to focus on that what if or that what if or what's mm -hmm. coming. I'm gonna focus on the numbers and um, one thing that I didn't talk about in my talk, but um, my counselor would always encourage me to, as I was breathing in numbers, I could also breathe in prayer. Hmm. So I would inhale, I would say, Lord Jesus Christ, and then I would hold my breath for seven, and then I would exhale while saying, have mercy on me, or hmm. Lord Jesus Christ, hold I put my trust in you. And so that was that one, um, once I got the numbers down, because it can be a lot in your brain, I started to just breathe in the rhythm of a prayer. Mm. And that for me as a follower of Jesus was super powerful because instead of just bringing my thoughts into the numbers, it was bringing it, inviting Jesus into my struggle, which mm. was which is really powerful. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great combination of sort of, yeah, inviting Christ as well as, practical steps right yeah yeah and I've, uh, I've heard of people writing their own breathing prayers and, and that have been really helpful to them and yes that there's also ones you can get online I know if you feel like you lack the exactly. creativity of that that's 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 good one of the questions that also emerges is like I always in a context like that I'm sitting there and I was sitting on the stage with you looking out going I wonder if there's anybody here for whom maybe 
whether maybe they struggle with it and they're not aware of it, or maybe they're thinking, I don't deal with this. But right. everybody's got somebody yeah. right, in their life. I know I do. I have lots of people in my life for whom this is a very real thing. What have you found? Um, one of the questions that emerges is, how do I help a friend right, who has anxiety and panic uh, attacks? Classic, like, oh, I know somebody who needs to hear this. Right? Yeah. No, but, <laughs> but it's like, yeah. how do people genuinely come alongside of like, yes. others and say, like, how, like yeah. how do I help them? Well, yeah. the instinct that everyone has is to reassure a person with anxiety hmm. that... Um, everything's fine, but I do not find that to be helpful. Um, and actually that was something that my counselor would always tell my parents. They're like, as you help her deal with this, like don't, don't provide her the reassurance because what that, that's just putting a bandaid on the root issue. The root issue is that there's a core fear or a core, mm. um, discomfort or something that's driving the anxiety. But what reassurance does is it just says, okay, here's my anxious thought and here's some reassurance. And so instead of like, okay, let's replace this with the truth of what the Bible says or let's let's get to the root of it, it just is like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And that doesn't really actually help in the long run. So what I found is with my friends who are struggling, if I'm with them, if they're in the middle of a panic attack, I'll actually do a breathing like um, system with them hmm. because it kind of helps to have somebody there like guiding you through it. I mean, it is kind of a vulnerable thing, um, but if you're with someone there having a panic attack, just simply like reassuring them or telling them that everything's okay isn't gonna get them to where they need to be. So I will really frequently like breathe with people when they're anxious or like I said in my talk, my parents would do that with me or they would just sit with me, hold my hand and pray with me until I had calmed down. Um, so breathing together is one that's so, so helpful. And the other one is to ask them, like ask the person who's anxious, like to kind of verbalize yeah. what it is that they're feeling and what they're, what it is that they're going through. And then from there, have them verbalize what the truth is. Because when you're anxious, your brain kind of loses its sense of logic. And so if you can get yourself to out loud say what the truth of the scenario is, like say you're driving and you're like, oh, I'm really scared that I'm going to get in a car crash right now. Then if you can verbalize that the truth of the right now is that I am safely driving on the road no one's currently running into me and I'm not currently running into anyone that speaking of the, of what's true and the logic can help you bring yourself back down to what's here, what's now and what's around me. What about the nature of like, maybe this is the reassurance thing, but like false promises, like, no, you're going to be fine. It's exactly. like, I can't promise that. But at the same time, like, I don't know if that in your own experience has been like, that doesn't help and it makes yeah. me more anxious or that's obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, for me that is really frustrating because my mental battle with anxiety is where I've been like, okay, but I'm having this fear for a reason. Yeah. So when people are like, oh, but that's not going to happen, I'm like, it genuinely could. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm thinking about like speaking or something, oh, I'm, I'm really scared that I'm going to have a panic attack right mm -hmm. before I go on. Yeah. And someone could be like, oh, Ellie, that's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Well, I appreciate your confidence in me. <laughs> right. I, I appreciate it. Right. Yeah. But it could happen. And so usually like anxious fears are ones that that could happen or or someone's sick in your life and you're you're afraid that they're going to die. But it's like I said in my talk, it's something that's it's anxiety is always coming from something that is coming. It's never something that's 
in the present or in the moment or mm. right now. Yeah. So that's why it's not helpful to tell someone what you think they want to hear because that's going to keep on fueling and feeding and almost inviting them to, oh yeah, it's fine if you think like that because the people around you will reassure you. Mm. So that's why, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that that's what I had to learn is when people in my life didn't provide that reassurance, I had to realize, oh, I'm still okay without that reassurance mm. because I'm, I'm learning how to exist in the truth and in the now. Yeah. So yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, and to have the tools yourself as opposed to... Exactly, yeah. yeah. So reassurance, yeah. honestly, is a little bit of a setback. Interesting. Yeah, mm. pretty counterintuitive for <clears throat> most people, especially parents and people who, you know... Um, Right, love you. and it comes from a good yeah. place, obviously, because right. they're right. like, oh, I just want to like take yeah. this away, yeah. and I want to help you, right. um, but there are other more productive ways of doing so. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Thank you. So um, maybe one last question mm -hmm. is uh, one that comes up, and this is departing maybe from a chapel sort of talk, but I'm sure students and others out there are like, okay, like you did mention some physical things. What about like medication? You know, mm -hmm. that always comes up, and, and um, students probably similar to your feeling of like the weakness um, message or all the messages about anxiety that makes them feel like I shouldn't talk about this or whatever. One of them is obviously like medication. It, and there's obviously, by and large, our culture is like, I, I would imagine a good percentage of the, of the students and some staff and faculty in the audience today are on anti-anxiety meds, but there's also a subset who are kind of like, no, yep. you know, that's not um, what the Lord would want, yeah. or that's not helpful. I don't know. What's what's your thought? Yeah. So my take on medication is, um, so I actually am on a medication. I didn't start going on it until about a year and a half of really deeply struggling, and that's not to say that that's how other people should do it. Um, but I've found that the a great first step is to see a Christian counselor because what they can do is they can guide you through here are the tools, here, here's what you need to know, here's the truth of who you are. But sometimes anxiety, most of the time, honestly, there's there becomes this chemical imbalance in yeah. your brain. And so in the same way that we sometimes need cold medicine to help us get over a cold, anxiety medicine should be a supplement with the tools that we already have to work together to bring us to a state of normalcy. And so what I learned with medication is like my, so say anxiety is on a spectrum of one to 10 and my medication or, and my tools that I had helped me get down to like a, like a five, but I wanted to go down to like a one or a two. Mm. So my tools got me there and the rest was like, okay, this isn't an, an kind of an illness in my mind. If mm. you think about it that way mm. and the medication are helping me get from five down to three or down mm. to two or whatever it is. So I think that medication should be used um, to supplement the tools that we're given. And I do think that in my perspective, the Lord has equipped doctors and scientists to um, give us medication to help us fight those imbalances or to help us um, reach a sense of normalcy, like I said earlier. But I do think that where it's dangerous is if people are just using medication to cope or to cover. Hmm. And so I think that the key words are that it should supplement hmm. and it shouldn't replace. Good. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, thank you. And, and I, one, one thing um, that I know in talking with some professionals that I've heard is also 
reminder is like, don't go on and off of them. Don't go on and off. Don't go on. And off. You yes. need to be on them and have yes. a plan in place. For you like do. What that looks like. Yep. With it. Yeah. So everyone yeah. should have like a doctor that they yeah. Yeah. communicate these things with. And for me personally, my encouragement is to involve your parents or someone that you really, yeah. really trust. Yeah. Um, to hold you accountable and there's lots of different medications out there, but they typically take time to settle in um, And they typically take time to wean off of mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to be very intentional yeah. when you're taking medication. Excellent. Yeah Well, Ellie Harrison, thank you so much again for joining us. It's a pleasure to see you uh, here on campus again And of course. to hear from you. So thanks for your honesty and, and spending time with us. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah.